Hi, and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. We're excited you're here with us to talk all things books and reading. We are two friends brought together by our love of reading. I'm Diane and adore my beach life in Charleston, South Carolina with my family and dogs. Reading has been a pleasure my whole life. I read to travel when I cannot leave home, to escape when life gets to be too much, to learn even when I'm not in school anymore, and to make new friends on the pages of stories and by talking to those who share my passion. And I'm Mary, a northerner living in the frozen tundra of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been an avid reader for as long as I can remember and make a point to read every day while still balancing the challenges of work and life. My ideal is to be curled up by the fire with the dog on my lap, a glass of wine on the end table, and a good book in my hands. We would be most grateful if you would rate and review our podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thank you so much and happy reading. Hello, and thanks for joining us on our latest episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. How are you today, Diane? I am very well, Mary. Thank you. We've had um, super nice weather, so I've been able to be reading outside lately. Um, I don't know. That's just my favorite reading place. Yeah. To be outside. How's the weather up there? Are you guys getting, are you having a chance to be outside at all? Yes. It's been, this weekend has been gorgeous. Um, it's been the high fifties, but it feels like sixties, um, which is, you know, for Wisconsin, that's a big deal. And you know, if the sun is shining, I don't even mm-hmm. care about wearing a coat, like, but if the sun is shining yeah. and you can walk around, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like everybody's in shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops and no, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> Say wow, people would be in like fur coats here if it was in there. There are though, there are like you know the the college kids that are wearing the shorts, but um, yeah, no, it's but there are a lot of people outside. You know, everyone's walking their dogs, bike rides, things like that, chalking their sidewalk. Yes, oh, fresh air. And you got a little Mm -hmm. respite yesterday. You got to see some of your familia. Yeah, I did. I did from from a distance. We got to see each other, which was nice. My uh. My brother-in-law is a nurse and he travels, so he's going to California to do relief nursing out there uh, to help with the pandemic. So he'll be there for a, a month. So we we had a little send-off for him. That oh, nice. that's in- incredibly kind of him and, mm-hmm. and selfless. That's, you know, so many people are yeah. stepping up in so many different ways. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. So yeah. So it was really kind of nice just to see they, my mom lives about an hour away from uh, where I am. And, and my sister is like an, an hour in the other direction. So we, it, it was just really good to see everybody. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think that um, I have a friend who lives in Manhattan and she lives by herself and, and in an apartment and it's a lovely apartment, but it's not very big and she's mm-hmm. alone. And, you know, I read something the other day that said, you know, that for some people, this might be like spring showers, you know, the rain, it rained on your picnic. You don't get to go outside. Yada, yada. Mm-hmm. For some, for, but for some people, this is a hurricane. Their whole house is blowing down. You know, like it, it's good to keep the perspective that some people are inconvenienced and some people's lives will never be the same. You know, it's, there's right. a huge gamut of experiences, but I know she's, right. she's feeling a lot more acute loneliness than I'm feeling with a house full of people, but, um, She's doing well too. She's hanging in there. New York, you know, especially the city has been hit so hard. Yeah. I mean, oh, I can't, I can't imagine. We, I, I feel so fortunate to not live in a big city like that um, and in such close quarters. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And I do think, you know, we've been talking about what are going to be the takeaway messages from this? Like when things quote unquote return to normal or open back up, like what are we going to take away? And I think a lot of people are reconsidering the dense, the population density centers where they live. Like, do I really want to still live in a high rise apartment with 3000 people, you know, on top of each other, or do I not? I think people are going to reconsider a lot of things. Right. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting once we get on the other side of this, you know, how we approach, you know, being outside, you know, where, when we go to the grocery store, you know, are the, like in our, in our grocery stores, everything has plexiglass in front of it. And I wonder if that's going to stay that way. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next, you know, hopefully a few weeks here we can, we can get out of it. I don't think, I think that's kind of optimistic, but I do too. I hope that all the people who have rediscovered reading, like, you know, who have pulled out some books off their shelves, I hope they keep that up. That's one habit yeah. that I hope, you know, has a yeah. resurgence. I know like for me, um, I am, you know, I work full time. I'm in front of my computer. I'm on Zoom or GoTo or WebEx all day long. And the last thing I want to do when I get done with work is to go onto another screen or go on my phone or watch TV. Right. So books in, and puzzles have been kind of my... I know. Uh, I think, you know... Yeah. My youngest and I were talking about that. I'm like, you know, how are you, who, which friend of yours is doing the worst and which friend is doing the best and why, you know, we were kind of just talking mm-hmm. about it. And she's like, everybody's doing puzzles, mom. <laughs> There's a run on puzzles. Like you can't get them anywhere anymore. I know. I know. It's great. I love that though. I, um, I have a book puzzle. It's like all of the classic books. And it's like 60s covers of the paperbacks. I, I might have a picture. I might post it on Instagram. If I, I was going to say, it. you should, if you put that together, yeah. you should definitely post. I, d- I, t- I did it. I got it for Christmas and I did it around Christmas, but I gave it to my mom and she gave me a, a, a travel poster um, uh-huh. one. So yeah, we're like switching because we're running out of puzzles to do. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Kiki said one of her friends was running out of books and I said, well, you know, you can like have him pick four or five from you and you can just leave them on the front porch and his mama can drive by and pick them up. So Barnett library, library. Yeah. Actually they're reopening our libraries here in Wisconsin for curbside pickup. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they are, I, I haven't read a lot of the specifics around it, but the libraries are reopening. I don't know if you can just like reserve it or like schedule a time to pick it up. I have to look into it a little bit more, but yeah, they're reopening. Oh, that is good news. You know, next week, maybe we can do a full library update because I yeah. did interview that friend of mine who works at the library system here where I live and he had a lot of useful information to share too. So maybe that's, um, that's what we'll talk about next week. Listeners we'll, yeah, we'll give a little nice. snip update snippets on libraries and, and where they all stand. Ours have made no move at least, publicly announced no move towards opening. So, well, I think, um, you know, Wisconsin, they, they extended their shelter in place order to the end of May. They canceled all schools for the rest of the year. Um, but they did open golf courses as long as you social distance It's very restricted. And then libraries was another one. And then a couple of like other businesses, like craft stores reopened uh, so people can get supplies for sewing, but it's all like curbside pickup and online ordering. Right. So, right. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it's a small step, but in the right direction. Right. Right. You know, it's, 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 he said, you know, it's like turning the dial rather than just opening the floodgates. And yeah. 
I, I see that. Even though it's 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 tough, you know, it's really tough. And I'm sure a lot of people are getting very antsy, wanting to get back to work and get back out there. But yeah, so but yeah, libraries are reopening, which makes me very happy. Yes, my oh, little for sure. For sure. And, and just mm -hmm. what a place of refuge it is for, for people too. You know, that's where some oh, yeah. older people go to socialize. That's where, you know, I mean, that's just a, yeah, we talked about that. There's so many libraries offer so much more than books. Not that that wouldn't be enough. Books right. are fabulous, but you know, they offer so much more. So what have right. you been, uh, did you get any reading done this past week, Mary? I did. Well, I did. So I finished uh, a book for my book club and then I started, like, I realized I said that I finished the secrets we kept. I realized I had about 50 pages left. Oh, no. So sometimes when I set it aside, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm done with that. And it's just like, oh no, wait, I got to finish Not that. Not quite yet. <laughs> so I finished that book and then uh, I started reading Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. I love that one. Yeah. I've never read it, but I felt like it was time for something, something like that. So, you know, she has a new podcast right now. I don't know if you've listened to it yet, but it's fabulous. I mean, really? as you would expect, she's a great speaker, but yeah, it's really good. Yeah. She's our competition. I know. <laughs> oh, that would be so fabulous. A great one. <laughs> what are you what about like you? us? So we can be in competition with Brene Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That means you have to go and you have to rate us on Apple so we can get more people to, to do that. So yes, please. If you like our podcast, please go to Apple and give us a rating. Uh, we, we love doing this and we want to keep doing this. And uh, we've gotten some really good feedback from everyone out there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been really fun. Like we're kind of entering two months now and mm -hmm. um, we really, it's been really fun. Yeah. And I mean, the logistics of everything. Now there have been our moments where things have kind of all melted down. But, you know, difficulties sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the logistics, you know, I'm in Wisconsin, Diane's in South Carolina, uh, coordinating times, you know, getting things on Instagram, you know, it's, it's been, um, we're, we're, we're working and getting better every day. That's right. That's right. I had my first Mary, I, um, we had an author reach out to us who we are going to interview. She'll be coming up soon, but I had to read my first book on my laptop. So oh. it wasn't uh, something that I could download onto the Kindle. And I didn't, I'm trying to not receive as many paper or advanced reader copies just because my house is falling in on itself with the weight mm -hmm. of books. But um, I must say, I was afraid that it was going to really change my idea of the book because I, it wasn't a fabulous reading experience because uh, just of the modality, not because of the topic of the book, but I couldn't read outside because I couldn't see my screen in the sunlight. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to read more, you know, inside and in my room and stuff, but the book was so good. It totally overpowered my dislike of reading on the computer. So I'll, I'll share that later. It's coming. It's a okay. um, new author. This is, this is, not her debut. It's her second book, but she was new to me. Um, okay. and it was really great. Nice. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah. I wouldn't suggest reading on the computer for me. I know there are people who do it. I, I don't think I'm a computer reader, but, but the book was so good. I, um, I finished it in two sittings. So yeah, I think, I think for me, cause I read so much like work documents on the computer, right. you know? So I don't know if that puts me into a different type of like, cause some of the, it's like, if I get a contract that I have to re review or something, just because we, um, I have to sometimes review them. 
Um, I like will skip, you know, a ton of stuff. So maybe it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how I would do if I had to read something on a computer. Yeah. Honestly, this was my first book on my computer. Um, and I did, I mean, it was fine. You could see what I did like, you could see two pages at a time. So it was less swiping. Oh yeah. Um, I did like that part, but it just wasn't as portable. I just didn't move with me, you know? Sure. But it was, it was fine. It was fine. I read, I finished a couple other books this past week. So I read The Book of Delight by Ross Gay. That was really good. Short little stories. So if your attention span is difficult at this time, I would suggest that one because it was, you know, 10 minutes investing and then you're on to the next story. So that was good. Mm -hmm. And then The Last Day by Luann Rice. That's going to be a good summer book. That was a good read. And then I finished The Herd um, I think maybe I've talked about that one by Andrea Bartz. Uh, Jamie Brenner recommended that one to me and it was very suspenseful and really good. So the book of delights by Ross Gay, the last day by Luann Rice and the herd by Andrea Bartz. And then some, um, some books that we'll talk about later. <laughs> oh, Mary, I've lost you. I can't hear you. So for the herd, we've talked about that one before, haven't we? Do we, do we, have we talked about that? Like in you and I, we talked about it. Yes. I think, and I had started it, um, the last time that we recorded and I hadn't yet finished it. So I finished it and I really enjoyed it. Okay. So what, what, how do you, how do you determine like what you're going to read next? Is it just like you have a, a list of books or are you more of a mood reader? How do you, how do you get into that? I think it's a combo for me. So I definitely have, I mean, I have piles of books that I need to read. Some dictates like um, this book that for the author that we're going to interview, her name is Heather Bell Adams. Um, and I didn't have her book in my queue, honestly, until we were going to interview her. And then I'm like, well, clearly I'm not going to interview somebody until I've read their entire book. Um, so that just kind of popped into my pile and raised to the top. And I, I am finding during quarantine, I have had more time to read for sure, but I have um, started and not completed more books than is mm-hmm. average for me. Like it's taking me three or four attempts to find the one I want to read right now. Right. Yeah. I've been hearing a lot about book slumps. You know, some people are just like, you know, at first, you know, they kind of were like, oh, this is a novel. And now that the the whole work from home quarantine novelty has kind of worn off. They're kind of like, well, what am I going to read now? Um, So a lot of times when I'm in a book slump, I sometimes just need something a lot lighter, like not necessarily lighter, but more easy to read more, a little bit adventurous or, you know, something that's going to sweep you up. And I usually can find that in YA in young adult books. Yep. Yep. So have you, do you, are you a big young adult reader? So I have a million young adults in my life. <laughs> Obviously we have five kids. Um, right. So I used to, when they were much younger, I would do a lot mm-hmm. of pre-reading, you know, and kind of. Okay, sure. I, it, my youngest, our oldest is 22 and our youngest is 15. So I, I'm not pre-reading anything. But one YA book that I would love to tell you about, Mary, that I read last week is called The Stonewall Riots. Okay. And it's... um by Gail Pittman, and it's celebrating the 50th anniversary of the protest that launched the LGBTQ plus movement. 
And it is a middle grade slash YA. It kind of um, walks across both of those delineations, but it was really well done. Historically accurate, but not too much information that a you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old kid would get bogged down in it. Um, but I think especially, you know, I was talking to Kiki today about who, which one of your friends is having the hardest time. You know, there are a lot of kids right now who are home alone in less than supportive families. And some of that support comes from, or lack of support comes from, you know, they've come out as being gay or lesbian and bi, transgender, whatever. And, um, a lot of those kids right now are struggling because they're at home all the time with parents who aren't all that accepting of that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so Kiki and I were talking that this book was also, you know, kind of something that normalizes that experience for kids. Right. And um, I found it really, really good. It was educational. I learned something that I did not know. And it was an easy read. It was a great story. You know, you got into it right away. And I think that's what YA authors do well. They get right, right into the story and hold you. Right. Well, you know, so just a little bit of the background on young adult, uh, that entire genre. It's a very broad genre. Uh, like it really, it can go from several different spectrums. You can do horror, you can do sci-fi, you can do fantasy. I mean, it really runs the gamut. Um, but one of it's, it's originally defined as being for audiences between the ages of 12 and 18. Now I think for some people, like it's kind of moved to more like 14 and up. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty, yeah. I think there's a huge difference between a 12 year old and an 18 year old and what they should be reading. And right. Right. I agree. And I think, you know, we have that middle grade genre, which we'll talk about in an upcoming episode, but today we're really just going to focus on young adult. But do you know what the first book that was ever formally considered to be YA, what that book was? I only know because you told me earlier. I really, I truly, I had no idea. I, I wouldn't, I, and, and that would not have been what I even guessed. Right. Well, if you follow us on Instagram, I did put this on our Instagram. Uh, I think we were going to talk about this earlier in the week, but that's okay. Uh, so the novel is The Outsiders by S.D. Hinton. And she was 14 when she started that novel, 17 when it was published. That just, that astounds, oh, I read that book, loved it, but that astounds me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very fascinating because I know when I was 14 years old, I did not have the discipline. Like I, I, I would be writing stories, but I would not have the discipline to, to start and stop a story or like no, to finish it. I'm not 14 and I still haven't done it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're slackers. Um, we are slackers. <laughs> So, um, but you know, that was really kind of, that book was the first book that really kind of started the YA, uh, genre. And, you know, even at that time, people did not see it as a uh, young adult. They saw it more as a children's book because it was too young for adults. Right. But then this new genre was born in the seventies. They, the young adults focused on special, like specific problems. They were called problem novels, um, or coming of age novels. So, Judy Bloom, you know, mm -hmm. those books were really like considered YA and very popular. Uh, Go Ask Alice by Beatrice Sparks was another book that was really um, very popular in the, in the 1970s that really popped at that time. Um, and then we got into the 80s where they moved away from like those coming of age novels. 
uh, and moved into more of the serialization. So Sweet Valley High (laughs) was a book that I read um, or were books that I read. Um, uh, Babysitter's Club, another popular series that might be a little bit young, but uh, yeah, those were kind of the, for the eighties, that was kind of the big ones that, that they had. You know, and as a reader and as a mom, um, I love series or series books because mm-hmm. you're like, if the kids like them or if you like them, it's like score. I know what my next eight reads are going to be. You know, it's kind of a no brainer. If you, if you get into them, you just keep reading that series. Right. right. Great books, you know, whatever is, you know, like for gifts or something like that. That's yeah. You knew, you knew, um, well, then we got into the nineties and that, that's when I was a kid for the most part. <laughs> uh, but you know, the scholastic book fair, one of the, the most popular authors was R.L. Stein or Christopher Pike. You know, those were some very popular books that people read. And that's also around the time when people started to move into the more adult books, uh, the classics, you know, a lot of Daniel Steele was read in junior high and you know, that's when people start to move into that. Not that I ever read any Danielle Steele. Of course not. Um, <laughs> I think no. I've probably read 50 of them. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> well, not when I was 14 years yeah, old. I wasn't reading them when I was 14 for sure. But oh, no. I don't even remember what, oh, you know what? I was, um, I was sick a couple of months ago and I was texting with one of our other bookish besties friends and, um, I said, you know, there is nothing that I can read right now. And a Daniel Steele popped up on my Kindle, whatever. I'm like, sure, buy it. I was engrossed for five hours. It was, I was happy as a clam. I, I don't think I learned a new word or anything. You know, it didn't yeah. stretch my brain, but it was escapist. I think any reading is fine. When we talk about romance novels, let's talk about Daniel Steele. Because for I think sure. That's, that's yeah, I think that's cause... a genre we need to explore. But so YA, so the 90s started changing it and series started happening. So what about the 2000s? Well, the 2000s is when we had the major growth in YA. And it was mainly because of the Twilight series, Mm -hmm. the Hunger Games, yes, and Harry Potter. Harry Mm -hmm. Potter. (laughs) That changed the whole world, didn't it? It changed the game. It really did for, for that genre. Um, and because Harry Potter really, um, it appealed to so many beyond, you know, that age group. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's fascinating that during that time, YA saw 400% growth in sales. Wow. 400, 400. Yeah. 400. Yeah. So it's, it's where it is. Um, and, and then in the, in, and then in the, the 2010s, um, diversity became a big, yes. the big thing. Talking about diversity, talking about um, different experiences, that's where that real focus came in. But gosh, you know, Harry Potter, <laughs> that is really where, where it's all at. And I think, you know, I read somewhere that 55% of YA readers are adults and I, I think Harry Potter had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I, I would say that was the gateway book, right? That, that really said you can read. I actually looked up, so NPR, Mary had an interesting, they re- ranked the top 100 YA books 
supposedly of all time, but of all time only goes back to the seventies when the categorization existed. (laughs) Right. The number one book is the Harry Potter series. The number two was the Hunger Games series. Okay. And then um, you'll recognize all of these. And some of them, I'm pretty sure English teachers are keeping on the list. So number three is To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, sure. Then The Fault in Our Stars. Hmm. The Hobbit. Okay. The Catcher in the Rye. Number seven is Lord of the Rings. Yep. Fahrenheit 451. Hmm. Another John Green is Looking for Alaska at number nine. And the final one is The Book Thief. The final in the top 10. Yeah, in the top 10. Yeah. So I would say, if I had to guess, right, To Kill a Mockingbird, Catcher in the Rye, mm-hmm. Fahrenheit 451, and The Book Thief at least are on there because English teachers are still assigning them and kids are, parents are still having to buy them for their yeah. kids. Are these, are these the most, like, is, are these the most popular or just the top? So I know it was funny. So Lily read this list and she's like, oh, I totally disagree with NPR. I'm like, well, you're not allowed to disagree with NPR. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think Catcher in the Rye, I have a lot of questions about. Yes. So they are the most purchased. Yeah. These are the top oh, okay. IA books of all time. So that does kind of, it's not necessarily, because how do you say what's the best? But, but they're the top selling. And that's why I think some of those, you know, I, of course, think To Kill a Mockingbird is an all-time fabulous, but I think one of the reasons it has made the list after decades and decades is because, honestly, teachers are still assigning it as reading, so kids have to, you know, parents are buying those books for, for school. Right, right. No, I mean, I read that in, in, in junior high. We had junior high, so not middle schools when, yeah. when I was a kid, and I named my dog after the main character, you know, so. Out. Yeah. Good old scout. Yes. You know, I don't, I wish I remembered. I don't remember the first time I read To Kill a Mockingbird. I didn't go, I had a, I went to private school that was K through eight. So I didn't even have like a middle school or a junior high experience. Um, I was in the same school and it was pretty conservative. So I don't know that I would have read that in like K through eight school. I'm sure I read it in high school. I wish I did remember because it's one. It's it's probably my all-time favorite mov- book yeah. and movie of my whole life. And I don't have a recollection of my first reading of To Kill a Mockingbird. Huh. It's interesting, going back to that list, it's interesting that John Green is on there twice. And I mean, in, if you go all the way and read the top 100, he's on there like five times in, wow. in the top 100. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Tolkien, I, I can totally see, you know, sure. both books and, and the rest of them were kind of like, oh yeah, school. <laughs> yeah, right. had that. Uh, but yeah, John Green. I, I mean, I've read his books and I, I really enjoy it. I, I, I encourage people to read it, but yeah, I was, I was really kind of surprised by that one. So huh. yeah. When I was talking to some of my kids, their, their take on it was <clears throat> because so many of them have been made into movies, he kind of has a, a, uh, a presence, you know, kid, sure. people have heard of him and even kids who aren't readers after they watch one of his movies and like it and their parents are nagging them to read a book. They're like, well, maybe, maybe John Green, I liked the movie. Maybe I would like other things that he wrote. So, so the kids kind of thought that, that the, the fame of his movies have really fueled the purchasing of his books. And I think that's probably true. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, me too. For sure. Oh, but- yeah. I mean, there's been movies that I've seen that have been based on books and I've gone back and bought the book to read it. And then 
you know, you, you do your own judging <laughs> of whether the book is better or the movie's better. Um, and, and, you know, the, uh, the, I always end up on the whole, um, they're, they're their own entity. You know, that's the way that I, they, that I see it. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a great list. So NPR put that out. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you a big fan? Like, do you, do you read other types of like lists or anything like that? Like when you ever see most books or something? I do. You know, I, I find myself, if I go back and look through my book journals and just stuff where I've written things down, I, I tend to do this at the end of the year. Like I'm always curious who, what are the top 25 books of 2019 or, or what do they think the top 20 books of 2020 are going to be? Um, and I've usually at the, by the end of the year, I've usually read many of them, but never, never have I hit them all. So it's kind of like, Oh, good. A couple books, you know, they're now backlist books. They're, you know, they've come out six months ago, eight months ago, 12 months ago, and I hadn't read them the first round. So I always find new titles to read that way. Do you, do you look at those lists? I do. And in fact, um, you know, talking about that reminded me of this popular meme that I've been seeing. I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's a meme. I think it's just an article uh, that's out there of the most popular books by state. Have you seen this, Matt? Yes. Yes. What do you think of it? Okay. I have feelings about it. I I I have feelings too. Okay. You go because what do you, Essie Hit and the Outsiders actually made it, the list. Did you see it this? It did. Yeah, so yeah. Oklahoma. We'll have to ask our friend Nellie, who <laughs> lives in Oklahoma. Um, I don't know. Is Essie Hinton from Oklahoma? I don't know. I don't know either. But yes, yeah, so they've assigned every state, they've assigned a book, the most popular book set in every state. Oh, yeah. So Essie Hit and the Outsiders must have been set in Oklahoma. Okay. So can I, can I, can I say, okay. I'm going to say my concerns about this. Okay. You go for it. Okay. The ma- this was put out by a credit, a small loan credit company. Oh, like, that's that weird. Credit. It is super weird. I mean, do they not have anything else to do? I mean, why, why are they putting out this map about books that has nothing? I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. But if, I was managing a group of people, I would not be putting them on this project. So I'm really curious. That is really interesting. And you know, it is so funny, Mary, that I didn't catch that because I'm always asking my kids when they bring me information from the internet, I'm like, primary source, primary source, primary source. And I didn't even look who, yeah, that's weird. They don't have any kind of vested interest in books. Right. So then I went to their blog because I wanted to find out more. I'm like, well, how, how did this all come up? And their researcher, like they sat down and they wrote a list of popular books from like based off an in, a business insider article from last year, oh, popular wow. books from each state. And then they went on Goodreads and they created like, I don't know if they did like an algorithm, but they compared the the average score, the number of reviews and Oh, there was one other algorithm I can't remember, or one other data point that they right. they brought into it. But when I was looking at these books <laughs> that was on there, I was like, "Oh, this is really I would not have chosen that book." But then I saw Tennessee. Okay, Did you see which one's Tennessee? Oh, yes, Alice Walker, The Color Purple. Yeah, it takes place in Georgia. It does. It does. I mean, it's in Tennessee for like a brief, like a hot minute. Right. They border each other, but that doesn't really count. <laughs> no, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So I was, I was a little bit, uh, I mean, they, they, they put money to this and like they, 
after they did that, so actually I went to their site so I could look at this. So after they did this data mining and they decided which one it was, the researcher bought every single book on Kindle and then went on to Goodreads to find the most highlighted, oh, highlighted quote that right. people put through their Kindles. And then they made graphics for every single one. This is a lot of time got invested into this project. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 this is, this is a loan company. This is, this is a credit, a small personal loan company. So I am confused. Yeah. That's really strange. Well, my state, South Carolina chose, or I guess not chose, I guess by our reading habits, um, Sue Monk Kids, The Secret Life of Bees was, was the big winner for South Carolina, which um, it was, it did take place in South Carolina. That actually is true. And I love Sue Monk Kids. So I'm going to say I'm at peace with my state's choice. How about yours? What, what did your state, what's the most popular book set in your state? <laughs> so it was uh, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. And I, there, there are, there's a, there's a television show out. So I'm sure that's one of the reasons why it's so popular right now. Kind of a resurgence. But, yeah. 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 And Neil Gaiman lived in Wisconsin for a time. I don't know if he still lives here, or if he has a home here, but he lived in Western Wisconsin for a period of time. So it, this, this I'm laughing because this is kind of this place is real that he's talking about. <laughs> um, so all of these gods, meet in uh meet in wisconsin that this place called house on the rock which is a real place and it's a tourist attraction and it's the strangest place ever <laughs> <laughs> i mean it is it is off the wall crazy there there's like a hall of mirrors there's a carousel there's a room for dolls you know it's an so indoor weird. carousel huh indoor indoor carousel okay that i don't know that i've ever experienced that before maybe at the mall but maybe <laughs> um yeah so if if anybody has seen that television show and they're like oh this place is kind of crazy it's called the house on the rock uh it's a real place I'm and free to move about the country. You too can go see yeah. it. <laughs> yes, you can. They, they did film there. So, I mean, that, that's, it was authentic that they were there. Oh, so. well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's a real, <laughs> so I think, I think that also kind of fueled a lot of the sales, um, you know, for that book. Sure. Too, sure. So. And you know what, as you were talking about the wild house on the rocks, I still love Sue Monk Kid, but I have yeah. decided to not be at peace with South Carolina's assignment assigned book because yeah. it should be Pat Conroy. That's what I was thinking when I saw it. Oh, that. and how sh how shame on me for not initially realizing that. I think I was because I do love Sue Monk Kid, but yeah. no one a low country tale like Pat Conroy. I'm mm -hmm. gonna say I don't agree with this list anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because Book Riot put out a similar list last a couple of years ago, but they included, cause this, this, this map was all fiction. It wasn't, it didn't include nonfiction. Right, so true, Book Riot true. had everything. And so like, when I was first looking at this, I'm like, that's not the most popular book. It's this one. But then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Fiction but, only versus opening it up. Yeah. 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 But I mean, there were some authors that were on there a couple of times, like Ann Patchett was on there a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, 
I think, uh, John, oh God, John Irving was on there a couple of times. Yes. Prayer for Owen Meany got the state of Maine, which that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's true. Yeah, and Cider House Rules got, no, Cider House Rules, I'm sorry. Cider House Rules got Maine. Maine. Prayer for Owen Meany got New Hampshire. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And just as we're talking about tying it back to our YA topic, John Green, The Fault of Our Stars, got Indiana mm -hmm. and he does live in Indianapolis. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I, 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 I I take it with a grain of salt. I agree. When I saw that, um, you know, just cause it was a loan company. I know. That really does boggle my mind. I, I know. Book Riot putting it out. I totally get that. That's yes. their business. You know, Book Riot does a great job, but a loan company. Right. Well, it's just the credibility too, you know, between like some of these, I mean, I think we have more credibility to put something out like that than right. a personal than a loan, loan company. <laughs> And I, and I don't mean that to like, to, to knock it. I'm sure they have, uh, you know, a product and maybe there is some reason why they put it out there, but it was part of their blog. Right. Um, so we're not a business podcast, so I can't really yeah. dive into the, uh, the reasoning and what their return on investments they were hoping e from. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, when you looked over this though, Mary, were there, um, so what I like about these things, whether they're accurate or not, right? It's another mm. list of books. So did you get any ideas? Like there's a couple things on here that I haven't read, but I hear about a lot. I'm like, Ooh, I might, I might raise that a little bit higher on my TBR pile because I would like to read it. Um, you know, there's a lot of like, if, if you told me, Hey, this is a book that takes place in North Dakota, I probably would not pick it up normally. Right. Right. Um, so I, I think I would say yes, uh, that there is probably some books, um, that I would, I would definitely, I'm just looking at it right now. It's like, okay, I read Ready Player One and I've read a couple of other of these. Um, yeah, I mean, my favorite you know, authors. Malachi is one that I've heard a lot about. Yeah, which one? I'm sorry. I talked That's to Hawaii. I think oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that one, I think I'd be interested in reading. What about you? Well, Marilyn Robinson, one of my favorite authors, um, mm -hmm. has housekeeping, which is a lovely book and that's from Idaho. Um, and Tyler has a new one yeah. out now that I'm just going to, I can't wait to dive into tomorrow, but she made up the list for Maryland and that was the dinner at the homesick restaurant, which I loved that book. But I haven't read that book for probably, gosh, 25 years. And that would be a good reread. I, I love yeah. Ann Tyler. Um, so I would probably, based on that jogging my memory, I might pick up that book again, you know, or others by right. Ann Tyler. Well, you know, I was looking at the, um, you know, John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men, which is the, the one that's for California. And I kept on thinking, no, East of Eden, which is also by John Steinbeck. Right. So. <laughs> I think, I think that's a sign that I have to sit down and read some John Steinbeck one of these days. So that's yeah, I, I, you know, um, another To Kill a Mockingbird also made this mm -hmm. list also for Alabama. Um, Gone with the Wind got Georgia. That's not a of big Of course, story. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do. I agree with you, Mary. Like take it with a grain of salt. 
but mm-hmm. I always love, I just love seeing lists of books and, and to get new ideas. Oh, right. Like, let me, let me make something clear. There's a lot of questions that I have about this map, but it's still fun. It's it still, still fun, fun. to play yeah. around with. Um, and to kind of like say, Ooh, I want to read that book or oh, I didn't know that was to get placed there. Uh, that part's a lot of fun, you know, so I'm not, <laughs> you know, whenever I see, maybe this is just the cynical part of me. I just have this healthy dose of skepticism when I see anything on the internet these days. Well, that is um, a good thing. But, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So but, but, you know, I do yeah. coming back to the YA books, I think that's what the appeal to all people, adults, 55% mm-hmm. of the, you know, 55% of YA readers are adults. I think one of the appeals is sometimes they're fun. It, it, they are. And maybe it's not the most erudite novel ever written in the universe, but mm-hmm. you don't always need that. You know, sometimes you just need a little dose of fun. I agree. I agree. You know, one of these, one of these days in these podcasts, we'll talk about you know, how reading has evolved over the years, you know, from, you know, when it was the time of Dickens or even before that, you know, and, and now why people read, how they read, um, things like that and how the book business has evolved. I would love to talk about that. Oh, that's time. a great topic, Mary. You write that down so we don't forget. That's a good one. <laughs> it's, it's been in my head for a while. Okay. It's Forget not going right. anywhere. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Well, one thing that I want you to put on your calendar now, who know? I don't know what the world is going to be like obviously, in the future. But Charleston, every year hosts, it's called a Y'all Fest. So it's capital Y, capital A. So Y-A, all, Y'all Fest. Because Y'all. Say down here. But it is a festival where there are, I don't don't think this is an an exaggeration to say hundreds of YA authors come. And it's it's over the weekend. It's usually the first or second weekend in November. This mm-hmm. year for 2020, it's going to be the 13th and the 14th of November, you know, okay. if, if the world is open, um, they haven't canceled it as, as of now, but, um, it is so refreshing. You'll see people of all ages, you know, parents with kids, but then older teens and young twenties and old, uh, full adults without kids. And people are pulling around the streets of Charleston wagons, literally loaded up with hardcover books, waiting for author autographs, you know, and there's all these different um, Mm -hmm. lecture series and interactive panels. It is Mm -hmm. any lover of YA, and especially if you have, you know, that teenage kid that's a big reader, this is truly, in my opinion, a not to miss yeah. People come from all over the country to see it. You know, I think the hotels get filled up. They're probably already sold out now for that weekend, but, um, it is super fun and it's mm-hmm. so refreshing to see so many kids. So like, it's not a rock band, you know, the Beatles have not come to town. It's just, <laughs> um, you know, right. Authors and, but they're super excited about it. Have you ever heard of this festival, Lily? Or Lily? I, ca- I think I've done that three times, Mary. I think you have. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> No, that's no, fine. Uh, uh, you've told me about it, but I never heard of it before you told me about it. So, yeah. And you know, I'll have to look up. I think there's, so ours is called Y'all Fest. I think there's a Y'all West also, Y'all. which is a similar, a similar thing, but somewhere obviously on the West Coast. Okay. But um, yeah, it's really fun and it is so well done. So, a couple of the independent bookstores here, Blue Bicycle Books in Charleston, and the Charleston County Library System put it on in cooperation. 
I think it great authors. Lee Borduga came last year or two years ago. They just get great authors. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Yeah. Well, I think we have, you know, delved deeply. We covered a lot today. Into YA and all other things. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to try to do like the third podcast of the week of the month. Every month we're going to do a different genre. So this was kind of our kickoff with YA, but we'll be doing, we'll be doing all kinds of different, looking at the different genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Diane, it was great talking to you this week as normal. It was and, great with you, Mary, too. Yeah. And I love talking and thank you readers for tuning in and listening to us again for another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Have a great week. We'll Happy see Happy reading. Happy reading. All right. Great. This has been another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Bookish Besties is a production of Tidal Wave Books, LLC, and is hosted by Diane Barnett and Mary Meist, produced by Lily Barnett. Find us on Instagram at Bookish Besties podcast. Thank you for joining us in talking about all things bookish. We will see you next time. <laughs>